Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you, even from a distance. It's great to be with my friends here that are helping us uh, worship this morning. I really hope that uh, wherever you are, that you are experiencing just a sense of uh, being connected. We are committed to doing this live every week because we feel like at Obi Joyful Church, we just got to connect. And uh, so uh, for those of us to where it is possible, um, this, is, this is why we're doing it. We want to be connected to you. And so uh, we're live and, and continue to post stuff uh, wherever you are. And, um, and we'll be looking at that and adding requests and things to our prayer list that will go out. So, yeah, uh, we are definitely, as Tyler said, and as we've been praying, as Whitney mentioned, uh, wow, no one has been through something like this before uh, in, in, the, in our recent memory. Uh, I was uh, thinking about, I was trying to come up with a picture of what this is, what it feels like to me. And one of the things that came to me was uh, when I was thinking of a uh, time when I was a little kid, I was in elementary school and my mom was taking my sisters and I to the library. It was going to be a really fun day. My kids, want, my kids, my sisters wanted to get the uh, new, uh, they loved those Henry and Ribsy books. And I just remember them going to the library for those. And uh, I'm sure I was getting some little, uh, you know, mystery novel or something. I was probably in fourth grade. And uh, my mom made this turn and her rambler and in the traffic and we got hit. And I remember my sister screaming. Of course, these are the days where there was no, you know, idea of using a seatbelt. And so we're all flying around in the car. And I, I remember uh, that noise and the screaming and the car just turning in the street and looking out. It was just, it was a terrifying feeling and unsettling, obviously. And I almost feel like we as, uh, as a church family, as a nation in the world, it's just as if we're in a huge bus and we got hit and we're just all together. The screaming is happening. We're turning and it's just this long, drawn out so far, five or six days of uh, slow motion turning and wondering what is next, what's going to happen. And that, that sense of dread and uneasiness and being out of control. And uh, that, that really sums up the moments when I, when I let myself think about how I really feel. It's, it's very unsettling. So I asked myself um, and the staff and elders, you know, how is it that Obi Joyful Church, the believers here, are going to respond to this? How are we going to react? When we look back and we're writing the story of what happened and what this looked like and what it meant, uh, what is it that will be said about Obi Joyful Church? So I feel like it's really important for us to lay something out, to lay out some tracks that we run on and move forward on together so we know where we're going. And so what I want to do is say something uh, as clearly as I can, uh, and hopefully this will begin to seek in, sink into uh, our hearts. I believe it's biblical. I believe it's a great way forward. Uh, it's less about being controlled by what's happening in our community, in our, in our culture, in our society, and it's more about what we are going to do in this time. It's speaking to what God's called us to. So let me say it to you as clearly as I can. Together, we will engage ourselves and our communities in richly experiencing the peace of God. That's what we're after. Believers at Obi Joyful Church, we will engage ourselves and our communities in richly experiencing the peace of God. So, when that bus 
finally stops spinning and we felt serious anxiety along the way. Uh, my, my prayer is, my hope is for our body that what happens is that we come through this and the story will be that we brought the peace of God to our communities and we experienced it richly ourselves. So, uh, thank you, Lisa, for reading that passage for us in front of the mountain earlier this week. Uh, we've got uh, three points. As usual, let me read them to you. The God of peace, the giver of peace, and the gift of peace. The God of peace, the giver of peace, and the gift of peace. So, just for a moment, the God of peace. So we're not leaving our, uh, our series in 1 Corinthians that we're calling Upstream we're just going to rearrange it just a little bit. If you were to look forward in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, you'd see in uh, chapter 14, there's a place where uh, Paul says in verse 33, God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. And the reason that he says that is that that church was experiencing disorder. Uh, they were destabilized. There was confusion in how they were led in their whole culture and what it meant to uh, follow Jesus, as we've talked about quite a bit uh, in these past few weeks. It was mostly their own fault. Uh, but it wouldn't be long before they would experience the destabilization of the Roman persecution of the church, something that we've never, we've never even imagined uh, what it could be like, really. Um, there was something that they needed to know for sure, and, and that was this, that God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. You know, uh, I'm going to call this point the, the economics of peace. Uh, peace is so much more recognizable and so much more valuable in times of chaos. When things are going well, we don't notice it, we appreciate it, but we don't value it at the same level as when it is scarce. When peace is scarce, when chaos and unknown things, and when we're out of control, when these things are happening in our lives, uh, that's when peace becomes precious. Power is taken away, and we, we have, uh, we're destabilized. What I want to propose to you uh, when we're thinking about the God of peace is that peace is order. Whether we're in good times or in hard times, peace brings order to situations of chaos. So there might be another way for me to say this. If we have a God of peace, we have a God of order, a God of structure, a God who brings authority and oversight to whatever situation we might be in. I, I know that uh, not everyone had parents that they could run to in the middle of the night when they had a bad dream, when everything seemed like the world was ending. But uh, I did have that, and I remember... Uh, that terrifying feeling way down at the end of the house when I knew how far it was to get to my parents' room and how scared I was. And when I would run down there, I still remember, it's been 50 years, and I still remember the feeling of cracking their door open and sneaking in and waking up my mom and, and telling her I had a bad dream. And she'd say, okay, you can lay down here. And that sense of calm and peace that she brought to me, uh, that going to them brought to me, is, is that uh, sense of order. Suddenly the chaos and the fear is brought into focus 
and it's no longer an issue because there's order. There's protection. There's a sense of knowing where authority is. And that is the God of peace. Let me read something to you. The God of peace brings order, structure, security, and most of all, authority over all things. And that peace is guided by his love and his mercy. So the God of peace brings order out of chaos. Some of you might be familiar with the evangelism tools of Bill Bright. And uh, he had a pamphlet. And in that pamphlet, I remember looking at it when I was probably 12 or 13 years old and seeing this picture that he had uh, created in there. And it had a circle, which is to represent our lives. And then it had all these dots in the circle. And all the dots were to uh, uh, represent different parts of our lives. They could be things we're fearful about. They could be our uh, future. They could be relationships, our, our parents. It could be making a living, any, any number of things. Whatever was important to us, all those things were floating around in there. And there was also a, a little picture of a chair. And the chair was a throne. And the throne had a little, uh, I can't remember how they, um, how they illustrated it, but it meant um, that uh, we were, I was on the throne. And when I was on the throne, that, th- that circle was full of chaos. And those dots, those things that represented what was going on in my life were all over the place. And so the next picture is a picture where God is on the throne. And the throne is in the middle of the circle. And, and all of those dots are lined up because God brings order to chaos. And I've just never forgotten that image. Uh, whenever my... Uh, fears or concerns or my destabilized life or whatever things are happening uh, and I realize that it's all out of order, uh, I, I know that one of the first steps I need to make is recognize that there is a God of peace and that God of peace is a God of order and he can bring that to my life. So, first, may the God of peace be on the throne in our lives. All right, now, the giver of peace, the second point. If you will, jump to John 20, 19 with me. I think you're going to love seeing this passage. I've been really excited all week about talking to you about it. So let me read it to you. John 20, 19 and 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now you can tell from that reading that the context is, this is just after the resurrection and the chaotic world of the disciples is kind of uh, come to a, a head and it's all right inside this room where they celebrated the Passover just a little bit before, just a couple of days before. I want, I want to ask you to imagine the situation that these guys are in. Uh, they are, and really you could probably compare it to that car wreck idea because that car wreck that, that they were in in life was spinning out of control, right? And they're wondering when they're going to get hit again. Uh, just a week earlier, the disciples had been on top of the world, right? They had come into the, they had come into the city of Jerusalem, and before that, they had been persona non grata. They had been followers in the wilderness of a teacher, and now, uh, that guy who had been rejected, that they had followed, that they had suffered with, 
suddenly was, was uh, lifted up, was feted, was celebrated as he came in to the city of Jerusalem. So it's almost like, I mean, I'm not a big, uh, as you probably, guys probably know, I'm not a big Instagram guy. However, it would be awesome if I posted something and I got half a million hits, right? I mean, imagine if you not only had hits but had half a million likes. Did I say that right? I'm that old. It doesn't matter. Whatever. So uh, these guys were on top of the world. Then, in just a few days, everything fell apart. Judas betrayed them. All of the humiliating things you could imagine had happened to their leader. Uh, they, the Romans put Jesus on a cross. And the Jewish people who put him there as well, uh, they knew exactly what that, would, that message would be to the people. Uh, and it was this. In the Semitic uh, culture, to be hung on a tree was the most humiliating thing that could happen. So they went from being on top of the world to being in a place where their leader was hanging on a tree. And Jesus suffocated there and was nailed to that cross, right? Nothing could be lower. And now they're afraid for their own lives. Everything is in chaos and they're hiding and they're in this room. And uh, look at the first part of this. In verse 29, the first part of it, of, uh, excuse me, in verse 19, the first part of it. They're hiding. They've got the door locked or barred or however they did it. And I don't want to try to draw too many parallels, but when I read that this week, I felt uh, a sense of solidarity with these guys. Uh, they were isolated. They were nervous. They were afraid. They were unsure. They had to stay away from other people. Chaos surrounded them, and they wanted peace. And I love this. Jesus doesn't knock. Uh, I don't know if that would have been scary to them or what, uh, but he, you know, no, no longer did a grave hold him, did a tomb hold him, did death hold him, but uh, certainly a wooden door wasn't going to hold him. He steps into that room, and can you imagine the shock that they felt? I'm not sure that they were any uh, less disturbed at that moment when they saw him. But in 19b, the second part of it, he says, peace be with you. There's another translation of this, uh, another version of the Bible. It says, peace to you. I wonder what those words felt like when they came from Jesus. I mean, it was a common greeting to say, peace be with you. But in this situation, it carried a lot more meaning. When Jesus said that, I think uh, that they probably didn't understand what he was actually saying. I think it meant way more to him at that moment than it meant to them. In fact, uh, that may be the most understated gift of all time. What he has given them in saying peace to you is something that the world, since the day of the fall, and every human being has longed for. And Jesus delivers it to them right there. Peace to you. See, only Jesus could be the giver of that gift. This is something that, as we've seen in the scripture, man cannot do for himself. We cannot make things right with God ourselves. We cannot bring peace. We cannot correct the course of this world. 
Jesus is the only one who could deliver that message. And now, now look at this. See if, see if you can uh, uh, begin to just grasp a little bit of what is happening in this room. Jesus says, peace to you. And after that, in verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So, so think with me just for a minute. This is one of the most poignant moments in scripture and so easy to look over. The disciples probably didn't understand it, but he was literally reminding them of the words of Isaiah. He was pierced for our transgressions and by his stripes we are healed. So here it is. Jesus says, peace to you. And you know they're looking at him wide-eyed and trying to figure out what's going on. And then he holds out his hands and he says, here's how peace has come at the cost of my life. These are the scars. This is your first, my disciples, understanding of what has happened. You know, I have to ask, do, do we even get it? Do we even understand The peace that they really needed was peace between themselves and God. They were afraid of their culture. They were afraid of the destabilization of the rest of their lives. They they didn't know what was coming next. They were expecting to be hauled out of that place and nailed on some kind of tree themselves, right? They were worried about those immediate situations. But what Jesus comes and does is he solves the real problem. Peace in circumstances flowed from there. Jesus put himself on the throne in their lives. And I don't know if it happened then, but it happened soon after that he was on the throne and everything became organized, right? Because you see a drastic change in the lives of these men after Jesus is with them. Uh, About a week ago, Tyler and I were talking about this and this message and how we were going to communicate to our body about our engagement with our community, with ourselves, with the peace of God and what that meant. And Tyler was really quick to raise his hand and say, hey, let's make sure we get to the top level first. The peace of God, the giver of the gift of peace. Uh, What this thing is, is so much bigger than peace that we need to feel in our daily circumstances or health or anything else. And I just, so I said, Tyler, he said all these really good things. I said, Tyler, will you just, uh, because we weren't meeting together, we were on, uh, FaceTime or something. I said, will you email me your uh, your thoughts on that because it's just really powerful. And I'd, I want to read it to you. Um, do we have a slide for this? Okay, so uh, read along with me if you can see this. God is a God of peace. Yes, as in peace between man and man, internal peace, peace between nations, but he is a God of a much larger peace. The biggest disease we have as mankind is not coronavirus. It's not Ebola or AIDS or cancer. The biggest disease we have is our rebellion against an infinitely holy and good God. And that puts us at odds, at war with the Lord. But through Christ, God brought peace to that war, to that rebellion. As the God of peace, God raised Christ from the dead, as he will do with us. So in the end, coronavirus doesn't have the last word, nor do broken finances, bankrupt businesses, inept governments, or a silent elk avenue. The peace Christ purchased for us empowers us then to be bearers of peace in a world of chaos. I mean, I couldn't have said it better. 
And so I'm writing, I'm reading what Tyler wrote. It's so well done. Thank you, Tyler, for this. Um, The God of peace is the giver of peace. And I want to spend just one moment on this idea of the gift of peace that Tyler mentioned at the end of that. Let me read you what he said one more time. The peace of Christ purchased for us empowers us to be the bearers of peace in a world of chaos. When we've received this peace, when we're richly experiencing the peace of God, this incredible gift, then it is our, our joy, our responsibility, um, the place that we need to go as a body of believers to deliver that peace as quickly as we can to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, and to our world. We can't keep this peace to ourselves. We are the bearers of the gift of peace in a hurting world. Uh, Oh, be joyful. We cannot hold this to ourselves. This is a gift that we have to give. One of my friends, uh, Steve, called me last night. He was just checking in, and it just meant a ton to me. And we talked for a few minutes, and, uh, you know, uh, I think there's a lot we have to offer uh, in just uh, reaching out and caring for one another, praying for each other, uh, nurturing each other, and and then bringing that uh, to the people that we're around that aren't just inside uh, our church community. Y'all, we're no longer um, meeting in this awesome building. Uh, The church really is the church now. Uh, It's the people of God. Um, And uh, frankly, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, May the story that is written about what we do in the midst of this storm, believers at OB Joyful Church, be that we engaged ourselves in our community in richly experiencing the peace of God.